and welcome to episode 195 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers podcast, part of the MKE Tailgate Podcast Network. Uh, we're coming to you a day later than normal because of the holiday weekend, but uh, the bonus is the gang is back together for the first time in like what seems like a month. I think it so, actually is a month. Yeah. It is a month, yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. So, you know, I'm James. That's Ryan. That's Paul. So, uh, you know, between uh, various vacations and moving adventures, we we haven't been together as a trio for, for a while here. So uh, thanks to everybody who, who stuck in there with us and, and thanks to everybody who helped fill, fill in. I think we're going to need to force you to take a vacation at some point because I think yeah. you're the one who's never Is missed an episode. Sign? Yeah, I've never, uh, had to read, I've never had to try and read copy and I'd like to dedicate the necessary 45 minutes of showtime that that would take to actually have happen. <laughs> Go for it. Just build the rundown next week. I'll, I'll peace out. It's fine. No, but it, it's good to see you guys back. Ryan, you, you had a good vacation. Paul, you're still moving. I see a cardboard box in the background. So, so I'm in my basement and our move was very disrupted by heavy rain a couple times. And, uh, like I have, I, I would normally be on my sectional doing this in my basement right now. And I have the sectional pieces, and I have the slip cover, which I just found. Uh, but it takes five legs. It's an IKEA like sectional. It's cheap as heck. But I have two of the five legs, which uh, is baffling. Like, why would you not put all five legs in the same box? So, <laughs> somewhere in this basement that I, I will show you guys a picture of later, but listeners can't see, there's like fifty boxes, and one of them has the three legs I need to have a couch down here. And not using a folding chair in my beer fridge to record on right now. It sounds like a typical IKEA situation, though. That is how they go. Like, well, just pack all the parts of the couch in the same box. Like, the slipcover was in one box, and uh, there's this little metal bar you need to connect the pieces, and that was in a different box, and two of the legs were in a different box. Like, these are not big things. Just put them all in the same box. <laughs> I freaking hate IKEA. Yeah. But this is this was, also this was movers. The, the movers, not also IKEA. movers. So I, I hate movers IKEA. and IKEA, so <laughs> it, it's just mixing two things I hate. So I, I, I sympathize for you there. I but. actually, if somebody's listening and wants a recommendation for a good moving company, hit me on Twitter because we've moved twice in the last couple of years in Milwaukee, and uh, we got a really good moving team. So I've got a good recommendation in Milwaukee, though I can't remember. Whereas if you need hand. recommendations against moving companies nationally, <laughs> I'm your man. <laughs> and yeah, while we're, we're, while we're trashing uh, brands, uh, shout out to Spectrum, who is not allowing me to watch the Brewers game tonight. So we're probably better off, honestly, at this point. Yeah. So like as we're recording this, they're they're about to lose to the Mets, which you know it's their first test in about a month. But we'll get to that. Uh, in the meantime, a reminder that you can help support the podcast. You can become a patron. That's at Patreon.com/slash/MKETailgate. Two bucks a month gets you question priority here on the pod, and for five bucks a month, you get the Minor League Extra podcast with Ryan and James Anderson. And uh, they're going to be recording an episode this week that you're going to want to pay attention to because this snuck up on me but it's uh it's draft week so the draft starts is that sunday ryan yeah the first round of the draft i think maybe like the first two rounds will be on sunday night and we're gonna be doing a preview episode on friday i'm gonna try to post it before i leave for the game friday evening because i'm going so hopefully we'll we'll have that out and ready for people to listen because we're gonna talk all about there have been some big promotions gic garrett mitchell was promoted to double-A yep. already, and Indeed. he is currently the best hitter in the minor leagues by uh, WRC+. Plus. He's over 200, 202, so well-deserved promotion there. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about some various things that have happened. I'm sure we'll touch on the uh, the Aaron Ashby unpleasantness, and then uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it happened. Great. And then it we'll... Yeah, and then we're going to spend most of our time previewing the draft, and then we're going to come later in the month again. We'll give it probably a couple of weeks and then do a, a wrap-up of the draft and talk about who the Brewers ended up taking. So, yeah. There you go. So that's plenty of content coming your way just with the Minor League Extra. extra. You also get the uh, reporting as eligible Packers mini-pods from Paul. Yeah, uh, I was going to have one of those last week, and then I my move got rained out and split up into three pieces, and my gear was all separate. So now I have it all, although it's not working. But as soon as I get it working, I will have a mini pod up because I have it all written out. So I just need Maybe, to record it. There you go. Maybe you should do a mini pod with the uh, 
results of the Aaron Rodgers golf match against Tom Brady this week, right? Is that yeah, this week? Um, it, it is. I believe it is this week. And the mini pod actually was going to be on um, the psychology of Aaron Rodgers. And he had oh. a, he actually, I'm glad I got delayed because he actually had some comments about that today. So I can add that in. Oh, that's, that's good. I just really like Matt Matub had the perfect description of Aaron Rodgers. It's that what he's a sociopath who learned how to be a human by reading books. That's right. I feel like uh, that is the perfectly apt description for Aaron Rodgers. But there you go. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, be on the lookout for that from Paul as well. Uh, in the baseball world, the Brewers managed to stay hot. They ended up winning 11 straight uh, before they finally lost that game on the 4th of July at Pittsburgh, denying everybody some mediocre hamburgers in the process. Lots of mediocre kinds. <laughs> I will go to bat for webs. I think they're fine. They're, I think they're actually pretty good. I mean, yeah. Did, did, I feel like people were just kind of upset they couldn't do it like they did in, what, 87, where they just – there are people that kept, like, those George Webb hamburgers in their freezer for decades. Oh, yeah. So uh, there you go. But uh, So, yeah, that, that winning streak was snapped on Sunday. Uh, looks like they're actually going to probably lose two in a row. I should probably check the box hey, James, before I say that. Let's not, yeah. be so, let's not be so hasty here, actually. Oh, four to two. Rally. And, uh, and uh, the, the uh, winning run will come to the plate here, or the go-ahead Ooh. run. There we go. Mm, well, and Jace is up. This is getting interesting. Yeah. Uh, Jace. Yeah. And Edwin Diaz, who is frequently an adventure on the mound. So there you go. Uh, maybe we'll just uh, reverse jinx that and, and see what happens there. But okay, they lost Sunday. But, you know, this has been a really good uh, stretch for the Brewers as of late. They of course swept the Cubs that helped them gain the uh, biggest lead division lead in baseball, which is kind of weird to see, but uh, nice little breathing room there for them as well. And that kind of leads us to our first uh, Patreon question. Cause I do want to focus more on the Cubs series because the pirates are trash and they should have won three or four. So whatever. <laughs> uh, but the Cubs series is the fun one. And Jay Google has our first Patreon question because of course, suck at Steve. Uh, Jay's question is, which one of the three Brewers-Cubs games were your favorites? So there's a couple wild ones to choose from here. Paul, uh, new, newly uh, christened Chicago resident, which one of those three games was your favorite? <laughs> so it was it was definitely the Ashby game. The Getting down 7 nothing and then winning by more than 7 is fa- just fantastic. It's just soul-crushing if you're a Cubs fan. Uh, it's what, like when you think you have the game in hand and then and then like, you know, it starts to get chipped away and you're nervous and you're nervous. And then you get the just crap kicked out of you. That's just great. That's just fun all around. <laughs> um, uh, that game was phenomenal that I'm going. That, all of them were good. That one was my favorite. It was just a joy to watch. So that is the correct answer and is absolutely great. Did you guys see the video? I think I retweeted it with some comment uh, that uh, to the effect of this is definitely a time to make big franchise decisions is when you're really really mad about <laughs> yes. a, a thing like this but yeah i mean you had you had cubs fans literally screaming under the internet tear it all down blow it all up be done with yeah. this get them out of my face so any loss that can inspire that sort of vitriol and hatred <laughs> from your rivals is definitely the winner but i really did enjoy that that monday night game too that was that was a special that was just one. A straight ass kicking, right? That was good too. Well, yeah. no, I mean that was the one where it was it was a nip and tuck game until the end, and then the Brewers just poured ten on them in the <laughs> yeah. in the eighth inning, right. and then yeah. yeah, they were gone, and it was. I might have even gone with that one, but I actually missed that inning. I, I actually I put my kids to bed, and I did it pretty quickly. I came out, and they scored ten. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, what happened? I thought it was a typo on MLB, like. <laughs> And you kind of feel like maybe that set up the rest of the series for them to be heartbroken because that was that game up until that point was the sort of thing you'd expect from two teams that are locked into a divisional race. Right. Devin Williams blew the lead in the top of the eighth. Yeah, it was a two to one game and he blew the lead. And there you go. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, you know, boom, the Brewers just annihilate them and whatever, though. The next night did end up being pretty nip and tuck. And that was I was actually at that game. And that was during the Giannis knee incident. So uh, there was there was all that going on. So that was just a wild. Very stressful night in Milwaukee that night. night yeah. Yeah. And I was surrounded by Cubs fans when that was going on. Fortunately, none of them seemed to really have any idea that the Giannis thing was going on. So that was good. <laughs> but 
yeah, that that was a wild but fun game to be at. I mean, that'll be memorable. That'll be one I remember for a long time among the pantheon of uh, interesting Brewers-Cubs games, along with <laughs> it very much fits in with the one uh, from last year when they were playing or two years ago when they were playing the um, Cubs and it was a Bears-Packers game going on at the same time. <laughs> So that go. the yeah. number of Cubs fans in attendance was actually pretty low. Right. So that was that was kind of nice. Yeah. No, I, I think I got to go with the, the Wednesday series finale too. just it was a roller coaster of emotions. Everybody was hyped for the Aaron Ashby start. Right. Like just to see, uh, you know, next the next big thing. Right. And that disappointment. And then that bottom of the first inning, though, even though they were down seven to nothing. You know, they made Arietta throw, what, 30-plus pitches that inning. He was very clearly, like, fallible that day. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was weirdly, like, I was I, I had that game on at work while I was, you know, while I was working. And I think I even called out, like, just watch this to be, like, a 10-7 game or something like that, you know? And, and <laughs> sure enough, they <laughs> chipped away. And I had no idea it was be the fourth inning when they were up 14-4 to or whatever. That was just bizarre. But, like, that's got to be one of the more memorable Brewers Cubs games I'll keep in my mind for a while. Right. Like that's, that's going to be tough to beat. Did you catch that? That wasn't even the only game of the day where a team scored seven in the first inning and lost. No, because no, didn't, really? um, didn't the Joe had a really bad start, didn't he? Or something. Yes. Like that? And the angels still came back and won the game. Yeah. 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 Was that the one? Yes. I, I, be- I believe so. Yeah. And that uh, angels race. Yeah, I saw something where it was like yeah. it, teams that had scored teams that had scored seven or more runs in the first inning uh, had a record of I was like sixteen hundred and like twenty eight going into that all time, all time. Yeah. And this was like the teams that scored seven in the first inning that day were zero two. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of an outlier of a day. Yeah, I'd seen the one where it was like teams that had led by seven at any point in the game were something like 224 and one this year or something like that. So it's just a bizarre game. Uh, But, you know, really kind of the game where you start to wonder, like, this is the kind of weird stuff that happens in those really memorable seasons. Right. So, (laughs) I mean, it's it's just one of those games that will stick in in our minds from this year. Um, and then of course that kind of propelled the momentum forward. You know, they went on to Pittsburgh and, and won the first three games there before dropping that finale. That leads us to our second Patreon question from James Vandenberg. He says, what's the more surprising development sweeping the Cubs or winning, uh, at least when he sent this, it was the first two games in Pittsburgh in an early July series. (laughs) So Of course, the last time the Brewers were probably this good, this this exciting in July was 2018. And they had that, I guess, infamous five-game sweep at the hands of the Pirates ended in the monsoon right before the All-Star break. Uh, the Pirates at PNC Park in July have always kind of been a, a bugaboo for the Brewers. So, Paul, I guess, what's your answer to this question? What's more impressive, sweeping the Cubs <laughs> or actually winning a series in Pittsburgh in July? So, the, the Cubs are are not good. I think we've learned that they are at best kind of an averagey team this year and their pitching finally kind of caught up with them. Um, but Pittsburgh is just awful. They're barely a major league team. It, it, like run differential is not everything. We always talk about how the Brewers beat theirs, but it's, it's useful on the margins uh, for the outliers in the league and the pirates diamondbacks and uh, Rockies are just, just terrible. Like they should frankly be relegated and so sweeping <laughs> sweeping the cubs is actually a pretty impressive feat like sweeping anybody is pretty good cubs are not terrible and sweeping them is good um sweeping the like honestly it's sort of depressing that they lost a game to the pirates um it, it's it's kind of, it's kind of sad uh it, it actually hurts a little bit so um sweep, sweeping the cubs is actually pretty impressive i mean for the season now against the pirates they've played them 10 times and they are Seven and, seven and three, yeah. seven and three. So they're they doing weirdly lost fine. that series at Miller at, at uh, Ampham. So yeah, that was a weird yeah. one. But ten percent of pirate victories are against the Brewers. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I love stats like that. That's great. <laughs> uh, and and that series finale in Pittsburgh was a total like Sunday. We've been playing for three weeks straight. Screw it, it's the Pirates lineup, and yeah, 
Freddie didn't pitch that bad, but yeah, just nope. couldn't get the runs. But no, Freddie pitched fine. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I was kind of surprised that things went as well or according to plan in Pittsburgh as they did, just because I do kind of have like that superstition of PNC Park and nothing right ever goes on there and. There's always a monsoon at some point, but they got through most of the series without rain or worries about that. So there was that. But yeah, I mean, sweeping the Cubs, great. And also <laughs> leads us to our next Patreon question comes from Ted Johnson, who clarifies he is not the former Patriots linebacker. So there you no, go. We had that question that, a few actually. weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, so his question is on a scale of one of the best thing ever. How awesome was the sweep of the Cubs? <laughs> <laughs> also, how big has Jace Peterson been over the stretch in Colton Wong's absence? So I don't know about best thing ever, Ryan, but rate that series on a scale. So you know what this is? This is payback for the summer I got married when the Brewers, I was on my honeymoon <laughs> and the Brewers played a four gamer at uh, at then Miller Park and got swept by the Cubs. And that basically ended the division race for the year. And then the Brewers were playing for the wild card from then on in. You remember that? Was that 08? I remember. Or what yeah, it was, year was, it was 08. Okay. Yep, it was 08. And the Brewers did end up getting in on the last day of the season, obviously. But, yeah, I, that was payback for that in my mind. So it was it was a pretty big <laughs> deal. I very much uh, approve of it. Paul, how would you rate that Cubs series? Like an 8. It's not the best thing ever. It's a regular season series against a no. team that maybe isn't that good in the first place. So, um, I mean, the Bucks made the Eastern Con- or the NBA Finals over the last few days. That that's better. <laughs> so <laughs> it can't can't be a ten or even an, I mean that's only a nine because it's not winning the championship. So it's good it, though. Uh, it really did rip the heart out of Cubs fans though. Like, yes, it, it's it it's did. good. It causes Cubs fans misery and severely impacts their playoff chances. So it's a really good win. It's a good sweep, but. It's like I an eight. It's a- yeah. No, in terms of Brewers-Cubs games, too, I would still say uh, best thing ever would probably be winning game 163 in Wrigley, right? A few mm, years ago. Yeah, I mean, that's, yes. That, that's That, yeah. to me, is still, like, the peak of uh, best I, thing ever against the Cubs. Either game 163 or game 162 in 2008. I mean, that, that game 162 yeah. in 2008 was a huge deal. Just to get the team yeah. back into the playoffs into for the, the first playoffs. time in a yeah. generation, literally. Yeah. But to take the um, other right, so part of the question, yeah. Yeah, Ted's second part here. How mm-hmm. big has Jace Peterson been? Like, this is <laughs> bizarre, right? Like, he just DFA'd <laughs> at one point, and, and he's back here with a hot streak to kind of keep him afloat. So in June, in 65 plate appearances, he hit 283, 415, 377. 415, on-base Jace. On-base Jace, and... Obviously, that uh, that slugging percentage being well lower than the on-base percentage is weird. Yeah, well, whatever. But the Brewers <laughs> seem to be doing that a lot this year. Christian Yelich, last I looked, he was still in that yeah. club. And this yeah, is absolutely. And when when it's because your on-base percentage is like that high, as opposed to your your uh, slugging being just pathetically low, three seventy-seven is low. Like, don't get me wrong, but it's not pathetic. You know, for, especially for a middle oh, infielder. Over his last 14 days, he's slugging 727. So (laughs) he's got a home run, run, a triple, and five doubles over the last two weeks. So Jace has been pounding it lately. Just um, he's been huge just for that reason. He's been very good recently and won't keep that up. But, you know, once you start walking like he does, this is kind of what Yelich has to do. Like uh, pitchers have to adjust by not walking you as much and coming into the zone. And it's up to you to punish stuff that they actually come at you with. And he's actually been doing it lately. Like Jace Peterson's actually been taking advantage of his good eye and putting good contact on the ball. So um, he has been absolutely huge. Won't, I'm sure won't keep up. We've Jace Peterson. We know what he is and he's not this, but um, he is making the most of his talents at the moment. So can't knock that. So Paul, you mentioned Jace Peterson's been really good over the last two weeks. The maybe uh, asterisk there is that it's been against like the Diamondbacks, the Rockies, and the Pirates, who we have established are terrible. Right. Kind of leads us, yeah, to our next uh, Patreon question. Comes from Philip Schumacher. He says the Brewers are currently feasting on bad teams. Just as a reality check, where <laughs> would you rate them in the NL, Paul? I guess 
how much of this is a mirage? Are they actually one of the better teams in the National League? So they're they're good, but this is a, this is beating up on trash, and it it's good. They've been destroying trash. That's what you want a really good team to be doing. But it does. It's hard to judge a team based on beating teams this bad. So I, they're probably not the best team, and I guess they're not. But if you look at the run differentials for the West, uh, the Giants, Dodgers, and Padres are all legitimate ass-kicking monsters. And um, it, the, the Brewers' run differential has taken a big step up lately, beating up on this trash. But I don't think they're in the class of any of those three teams. But uh, I would say they're, they are next year. Like, I know that we've not done well against the Mets right now, but I, I kind of think they're along the same lines, like good pitching, okay offense when it's clicking. Um, and, and I do think they're better than their division. I think the Cubs' pitching is really starting to doom them. The, the Cardinals, I love... By the way, we, we just beat up on the Cubs, but if you haven't been paying attention to the Cardinals because we're not playing them, they've been extra bad and in a very fun way. So do, They lost that. a series to the Pirates. Yeah, they sure did. Um, they're uh, quite... They appear to be bad, which is always fun. Um, mm-hmm. So the Brewers are good, but they're not like one of these elite juggernauts, but the, you know they rarely are that. Yeah. And that makes sense because... As we talked about all season, their pitching is very good, but their offense is not. It's, you know, they beat up on the Pirates, but for the most part, over the course of the season, it's going to be an average offense or worse. Um, that's just how it is. Now, Willie Thomas changes that. That gets them up to the average, maybe, but that's where they are. So that's, that's I think, the, tr- the true and fair reading of the Brewers. I would take them over anybody in the East or the Central, I think, pretty handily. That's fine. And I would take them over the Giants. I, I do not believe in the Giants. I don't think they're built for 162. I just I refuse to believe that Brandon Crawford, Evan Longoria, and Buster Posey are going to, when the youth. dog days get here, yeah. are, are going to continue kicking ass like they have all season. I just I, And the, the pitching seems to be good. They seem to have a very good idea of what they're doing as far as getting pitching and working it into something that is useful kind of in the yep. same way that the brewers were pretty good at that in uh you know 2017 2018 they they brought in all these different guys and were able to mold them into useful pieces now they've just you know had guys develop up through the system and are are feeling the effects of that but they also got gossman to finally pitch to his stuff level right like that was the thing when they yeah. traded for him a few years ago he was always kind of mediocre with the mm-hmm. orioles and they finally turned him ace level stuff into ace level production it's so. it's hard to not believe in him too much their differential is plus 104 which mm-hmm. is the second best <laughs> in the nl behind the dodgers and that's it's 60 runs better than the brewers so mm-hmm. uh, I, I i get what you're saying they weren't a preseason you know favorite to have this happen but th- that's pretty impressive at, to this point, especially playing in a pretty tough division. I think the team as constructed is they deserve everything they've had so far. They've earned every bit of this. I'm just skeptical that they can keep it going for 162 because of the nature of that roster. I mean, there are many days where they run out a roster where none of the position players are under 30. And I just have a hard sure. time imagining that that's going to work in once you get into august september once guys really get past that point where you know last year and i think with posey right yeah well you know posey took the year off as he should have to be with his the the new children that they adopted and that's you know probably playing a, a role in his resurgence here but at some point guys wear down like i i just refuse to believe that they're going to be able to hold up and i think they've been their injury luck has been way better if you think about it the brewers have had a ton of injuries now nothing catastrophic for the most part and they've they've managed to like get guys back through but they've been dealing with things the giants haven't been dealing with that sort of stuff the giants everything it has kind of gone right for them early so it just feels like a team that's due to have a run of bad luck, especially once you get to the dog days in August. But I would I, know, I would put the Brewers <laughs> comfortably behind the Dodgers and Padres in terms of overall team quality, just because I think they have much more rounded rosters. They have offensive abilities that the Brewers just don't. Yep. But at the same time, in a seven-game series against either one of them, 
uh, the Brewers can absolutely compete. They can absolutely because they have the pitching to be able to do it. They've shown that they won the season series with the Padres. I mean, granted, it was very early in the year before the Padres kind of hit their stride, probably similarly with the first series with the Dodgers. But I mean, they've they've shown they can Mm -hmm. hang with the good teams. too. Yeah, they're three and one against the Dodgers and five and two against the Padres. So, right. Yeah. So I, I kind of laugh at, you know, Cub fans like to make fun of the Brewers schedule in June oh. as being cupcakes. <laughs> but it's like they they went through the tough part in, you know, May and April that the Cubs are currently struggling with now. So also the Cubs are one of the cupcakes. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> thanks the thing thanks too, for right? showing yeah. up and being a cupcake for us, guys. We, exactly. We so. munched on you very well. Yes, the Brewers. Look, by the way, the Brewers are now nine and three against the Cubs and have outscored them by twenty six runs. So, don't want to hear it from them. If you want to, if you want to whine about that, you can uh, at least be five hundred in the head to head series first and not six games under. Right. I mean, Cincinnati can make a case against the Brewers because I think they actually have a winning record against the Brewers. Right. They're, they, uh, they do not. Uh, yes, they do. They're five and four against the Brewers. Yeah, yeah. that's that's the one division opponent that the Brewers have not done great against but and we have cincinnati coming up before the uh break here don't we sure <laughs> I, th- I believe so i think <laughs> i yeah yeah i mean yeah but and cincinnati do. the second yes, place team so yeah there you go they, they play okay sorry I, I i just pulled up the schedule right now i think they play cincinnati seven times in a row if i'm looking at this correctly Oh, do they play them coming in and out of the break? I believe oh. they do. Yes, they do. They have a four-game series at Miller Park to close out the first half, and then they go to Cincinnati for three to open the second half. So they that's, will play the Reds seven consecutive times. That's almost got to be the last time they see the Reds. Then, it, right? Yeah, that, it does. That There's just one series left then. Yeah. So. We got to keep an eye on that because that has huge potential to be super annoying. Um, it could be. Yeah, seven-game league could be whittled down quite right. quickly if they if do. If they don't at least middle that, it's going to be annoying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so. if you split the difference there, you're doing fine. But, you know, a three and four coming out of that, you're you're fine. But Who scheduled that? That's asinine. I, yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, Major League Baseball. Oh, well, yeah. Okay. Always, exactly. uh, a dumb always, person scheduled it. Yes. So. <laughs> well, that old couple that used to do it on their kitchen table, they sadly passed both passed away. So now it's some somebody at MLB's offices with a spreadsheet, I'm sure. Was the old schedule making couple neighbors with the mud guy with the baseballs? <laughs> there are some seriously rinky dink things about MLB that like exactly like the mud guy thing. Like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> it's the 21st century. All right. But, well, you guys yeah. mentioned the all-star break. We do have all-star rosters now. So we did have a Patreon question from Adam Post asking how many Brewers are selected for the all-star game and who are they? Adam sent this before the rosters were announced. So, Adam, I can tell you right now, the Brewers have three all-stars. They are <laughs> Brendan Woodruff, Corbin Burns, and Josh Hader. Uh, there's a good possibility for a fourth, though. Ryan, do you want to talk about... Uh, how Freddie Peralta was snubbed and why he's still a decent bet to end up on that roster for Tuesday next week. Yeah, we were talking about this and somebody actually credit where credit to do. Somebody sent me a message about this on Twitter. Uh, once the guys who pitch over the weekend are removed from the roster, there will be replacement selected. And we know that Brandon Woodruff is going to pitch Sunday. So that'll be one of them. And Jacob deGrom will also pitch Sunday. And so those guys will be removed from the roster. Freddie Peralta is going to end up on there. I think it's almost certain to happen. So we will get to see Freddie Peralta on the roster. It was pretty much, I think, inevitable that he would have been, but he should have been in the first pick of guys to begin with. He's had that good a season. Like he has been absolutely phenomenal this year. And I don't see how a guy who is, just getting his numbers here. Yeah, I mean, 223 ERA over 93 innings and a 12.5 strikeouts per nine and like 4.1 hits per nine. There is no way that guy shouldn't be an all-star. And I know there's like a lot of good pitchers this year and the, you know, the Kevin Gaussmans of the world and 
we talked about uh, Wheeler is having a really good year, and he's on there. There's a bunch of guys, but and the Brewers did already have two starters, so it's it's a little bit tough. But hey, the Atlanta Braves had three starters make the All Star team like what every year for like a decade. So <laughs> you know, screw you guys for for giving the Brewers the short shrift on this, even though ultimately he's going to end up on the All Star team, and deservedly so. Uh, I think the only other argument here, and it's an interesting one, is Omar Nervais at catcher, right? Yeah, I was going to ask who else got snubbed outside of Freddie. So yeah, I'll catcher do- is pretty loaded, so I, I do get that one. Uh, I think Omar should have made it by um, certainly advanced metrics, but I don't think it's that surprising that he, that he didn't make it. Um, and I, I think Willie Adamas' overall numbers are really dragged down by the first part of the season too. And shortstop also is, is quite loaded. So uh, it, there's a couple guys can make a case for, but uh, it, it's understandable why they didn't make it as well. So. Yeah. I mean, so the thing about Narvaez is it looks like there's two catchers on both rosters at this point, at least. So you're only putting two catchers. If you were to go to a third catcher, I think you'd have a good case that Omar Narvaez was truly snubbed because he's yeah. the third catcher in baseball in overall war. But the two guys ahead of him are both in the National League. You have Buster Posey at 3.1, who 100% absolutely belongs as the starter and was voted as such anyway. So there's not even like a a question there. Buster Posey's an all-star. But Will Smith got snubbed. Like, he really is the one who has the case because he got snubbed. He has a 2.8 Fangraphs war, and that's a couple ticks ahead of Narvaez at 2.6. Real Muto is at 2.1. He's having a good season. Like, don't get me wrong. Real Muto is fine, but it wasn't like they needed to get a Philly on the roster here because, <laughs> as we mentioned, Zach Wheeler was going to make Wheeler's it because Wheeler's having a great season. Yeah. So Real Muto just got in because of, you know, name recognition and whatever. And that's the part that sucks because yeah. Will Smith is going to have chances to make the all-star game in the future. Real Muto's made, what, three or four already probably? Mm-hmm. But yep. and Will Smith will have chances in the future. This is probably Omar Narvaez's one shot. So like that from that angle, it sucks. But if they're only taking two catchers, I mean, it's he isn't in the top two catchers in the league in terms of fan war. So it's it's hard to say that's a true snub, but it would have been nice. You know, yeah. it would have been nice. By the way, by ERA um, for qualifying pitchers, Freddie Peralta is ninth in baseball, um, seventh in the NL. So. Very uh, ahead of Walker Bueller, ahead of a bunch of guys. Mm-hmm. Which Walker Bueller not on the All Star roster either, but he'd probably be one of the replacement Pro- guys. Pro- <laughs> and I, I think Freddie was probably hurt too by a couple of, um, you know, lone representative qualifiers. You got Herman Marquez from the Rockies. Like he's the only Rocky that probably. Well, <laughs> no, Charlie Blackman. But you know, like there's that, and then there's Trevor Rogers from the Marlins as well. I believe he's the only Marlin on the roster, right? Nobody got voted in there. So, I mean, but Trevor Rogers is a deserving All Star as well. He's got exactly. an ERA below Freddie's. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, and, that's you know, fine. He, he he dominated the Brewers too. But you know, th- those are things to consider too. And you know, in the long run, All Star snubs or whatever don't really matter. It's just fun to argue about because it's early July and we've got nothing else to talk about. My favorite uh, thing to do is to identify who's going to be the Brian LaHare of any given season. Oh, so there you go. Haven't done that yet, but we'll bring that next week. Oh, James has a nominee for you. Do oh, I? Yeah? Oh, yeah. I, this is before we started and I had to admit my ignorance as to who the hell Jared Walsh was, but he's an all-star for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Uh, they're not they're not of anaheim anymore actually right they're the no LA angels no that was the whole the whole uh fourth of july hat controversy where they struck they they covered the ana uh anaheim abbreviation on their hat with their 60th anniversary patch but uh jared walsh of the angels on an all-star team so yeah we'll we'll see if that's the brian lahair mm-hmm. he's got v- lahair vibes he does he's, he's got pretty lovely, actually <laughs> There's that huge, so. huge hair at 27 years old. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm, I'm on board with you here. <laughs> there you go. I mean, I, I'm only going to watch and, and we talked about this before we, we started officially here too. I'm only going to watch to see Shohei hit and pitch, right? Like that's, that's mm-hmm. the calling card of this all-star game. And absolutely. 
once once he's off the mound, y'all can probably tune out. Sorry, Fox, but that's yeah, that's what I'll be watching for anyway. You mean so, you don't want to listen that. to John Smoltz shit on the game and talk about how awful the current state of play is in Major League Baseball for nope. three hours? Nope. Nope. And I don't want to watch that while uh, Gregory Soto is pitching to Brian Reynolds or whoever. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just picking two names. <laughs> out. You know, like, no, it's, it's the lading stuff. I'm fine watching the first first half of the game. And once Shohei pitches, I'm out. Probably past my bedtime anyway. All right. Uh, <laughs> we do have other Patreon questions to get to here. Uh, we've got one from Brew Crew Fan in California. He's asking, with the off days coming after the All-Star game, do the Brewers continue with a six-man rotation, or do they go back to five? Ryan, what's your thought on that one? Uh, I think they've been pretty explicit about the idea that they want to keep it at a uh, giving the, every starter an extra day as much as possible. So I think we will see them start dipping out of the six-man. The question will be who that will be, because we're looking at Brett Anderson coming back and pitching on Tuesday night. And yep. I, Lauer has been more than Better. adequate, yeah, to yeah. to earn a rotation spot to this point. So <laughs> he belongs in there, and Adrian Hauser's been just fine. So fine. <laughs> I, I don't know exactly what they're going to do there to make that work, but these things do tend to have a way of settling themselves and working themselves out. So. Yeah. Fingers crossed everything will be good health-wise with the guys that we really need, but, you know, things tend to happen. They also have this lead to play with now, which, you know, you don't want to get complacent or anything, but it does afford you the benefit of being able to to, to rest, uh, you know, play a little more loose with getting guys rest and relaxation and injury recovery time. Um, and, you know, you can do that with your pitchers when you, when you have – a seven game cushion over them, oh, maybe six now. I didn't see how the Reds did tonight, but uh, you know, that helps. So, um, I, I think they'll they'll push their like it's not like they, they they do want to lean on their big guys as much as is you know, they're capable of doing. Um, but it, they, they also don't want to overwork them and they have the opportunity now to to take some time off and you know get this team ready for the postseason in the future, too. Well, so, I think we're uh, going to be seeing trips to the Phantom DL for various starters here. I think we can pretty much bet on that for especially Corbin and Freddie, who really are going to they're on track to go way beyond where they've ever been before in their professional careers. So and that's with Corbin missing a couple of weeks already with the COVID situations. So. Right. And Freddie not starting from the get go. Right. Yeah. So, well, I guess he did. I take that back. He Freddie did start from the get go, mm -hmm. but he yeah. But he's, he is, like we were talking before we started, to maybe in line for that extended break if he doesn't get to the All-Star game or, or what have you. I mean, that'll help, too. But yeah, and he, he's one that they maybe would skip a time or two, right? Yeah, so, what you do is you put a guy on, on the disabled list with, you know, a legitimate, I should say, injured list. Sorry. Uh, shoulder you, soreness. Everybody's shoulder right. is sore. This Everybody has shoulder yeah. sore. Everybody has has some shit that you can <laughs> legitimately go. Yes, he has this issue, and you know, we know Corbin Burns has the knee issue. Like literally, mm -hmm. they we know he has the knee issue. So you can put guys on the the IL and give them a, a rest a few times through the rotation, and then integrate them, and somebody else can go on the Phantom and. You know, next thing you know, you're halfway through August and hopefully you've still got, you know, a five plus game lead. And, you know, you've you've gone a long way towards avoiding the kind of innings crunch that you've you've really been trying to avoid since yeah the season began. I, I, I do think they keep up with the six man rotation going forward or at least, you know, like we've seen maybe giving that spot start to another spot start to Ashby. Uh, maybe we see Ethan Small at some point later this year. You know, they, they do have the depth to try to pull this off. And who knows, maybe they swing a trade for another starter, too, to kind of keep things balanced as well. Uh, we Next up, we have a trifecta of questions from Brian Polakowski, making up for lost time because, Ryan, we, we did not uh, get around to posting the Patreon question post last week. So <laughs> Brian's got a, a lot here. So uh, we'll start... With question number one, uh, is this team too streaky to win in the postseason? The highs are high, the lows are low. So 
yeah, I, I don't think this is quite what 1987 team streak level, but you know, we've, <laughs> we've had some longer losing streaks from the Brewers and we've had that 11 game winning streak. So Paul, I, it is streakiness legitimate here. Is that a concern heading forward for you? What do you think? No, in fact, I actually think they're actually pretty consistent and I wouldn't actually describe them as streaky. Like they have, they've really just, so the winning streaks have occurred because they've played trash teams. Um, and that's, they should beat the crap out of them. And when they've had like losses, uh, like uh, you can say maybe Cincinnati is a little bit of a bugaboo. They've gotten them a couple times, but I mean, Cincinnati's not terrible. You're, you're going to lose a series and even get swept once in a while by 500 teams. That's fine. There's really only one weird streak the whole season, which is when they got swept by the Phillies, but that was on the road. Um, and I, I remember there was kind of a bad injury offense at the yeah, at the time. They were, um, they were wounded, wobbling. Yeah. And, and even yeah. in that series, they didn't get destroyed in any of those games. Like there's um, a bunch of one losses, right? three one run yeah. losses and a two run loss. So, I mean, I don't. They're really not that streaky of a team. Uh, they're good in one-run games. They think they have a fifteen and nine record in one-run games. Um, they're. I think they're they're well placed to like they always are. They're really kind of a postseason built team because of how they lean on their pitching with more aggression in the playoffs. They are good at winning close games because they manage to win close games all the time. So I, I don't think that's a legitimate criticism of them. And um, you know we should bask in them beating the crap out of bad teams 11 straight times. And those little runs of badness aren't really all that bad in retrospect. Yeah. So a couple things to echo Paul's points here, because you're absolutely right. First of all, streakiness is part of baseball and mm -hmm. you're over 162 events. You're going to have ups and downs and that's just part of the deal. So I don't think this team is particularly streaky either. And I think that if you do look at when they were bad, and especially when they struggled on offense and were really hard to watch and everybody declared them a bad team back in, I don't know, mid-May or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was largely because so many guys were hurt. And we said that at the time. We're like, yeah, a, a lot of the best offensive players are hurt here. And people would go, well, they're not that good anyway. And yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, we see now they probably are pretty decent. And so I don't think that that's really a thing. And they are going to improve as well. So, no, there's there's not really a concern there. Now, you could come back to us and say, like, the offense goes cold and they get swept out of, you know, a, a five-game series in the playoffs, and you could go, ah, I told you so, told you so. Well, yeah, but that's baseball. That's just part of the deal. You know, you, you get into the postseason, and then any random shit can happen because it's five-game series or seven-game series. Anything can happen there. So, it, yeah. It's a lottery ticket once you get to October, right? You, like you, you just try to get the get into the tournament and and see where the chips fall. Yeah. So. And people are bad at this part of randomness. Like in everybody's mind, um, at least casual fans, they think of randomness as like you, you know you, you like you win one, you lose one, or you like win one, lose two. Um, but part of part of the way like we detect fraud in random numbers is through a lack of streaks. Um, I, I, I'm going to misquote this because it's off the top of my head, but. For any given set of random numbers from one to one hundred, or events from one to one hundred, like coin flips, um, you should have a streak of six in there basically every time. And if one's not there, that that usually means that the set was manipulated in some way. I can that, actually, that we I had a professor in college uh, in stats on the first day. Uh, she, yeah, stats one hundred and one. Yeah. yeah, stats one hundred and one. We came into the class, and at the end of the class, she said, "Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home." And I want you to flip a coin 100 times and um, record the results on a sheet of paper. And she showed us how to do it and then sent us back and said, you know, you're going to get credit for this. We came back to class the next time and she literally walked around the room and she goes, you didn't do it. You did it. You didn't do it. You did it. You didn't do it. <laughs> and she, she walked around and it was exactly that. And she then explained to us what I was looking for was streaks. And then she she like was like did I get anybody wrong here? And like <laughs> two people raised their hands, <laughs> you know, in a class of like 25 people. So yeah, sure, it yeah. was, it was very much, she was right. And uh, I actually did flip the coin though. I kind of knew what she was going for because I had started to pay enough attention to baseball stats at that point. That yeah. I kind of <laughs> knew where this was headed, 
but yeah, it was. She was literally looking for people that didn't have enough random streaks in there. Yeah, and, and so usually when people complain about streakiness, it's either because that's sticking out, or it's because you're, the team is bad and they do lose a lot of games in a row, which is something that does happen to bad teams. But the you know uh, a team that wins a lot and loses a lot is just part of the normal range of probability. Yeah. All right. So moving on to Brian's second question here. This is a bit of a, a deep cut reference if you don't get it. He says, in honor of sweeping the Cubs, hey, would you eat the moon if it were made of ribs? <laughs> so Paul's laughing, Ryan, too. So I uh, had to look this up, but it's actually oh, it, really? it's from us. Really? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I'm a little young for this, but you guys it's are spare ribs, by the way. Mid, yeah, it is spare ribs. Uh, <laughs> so it's it's from SNL. It's uh, Will Ferrell's Harry Carey impersonation. I just watched the clip before we started. It's Jeff Goldblum's playing a science professor, right? And and he he asks him, "Hey, if the moon's not made of cheese, would you eat it if it were made of spare ribs?" Ah, so, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I have it, to it, complain here about yeah. this because the problem is that everybody, including Tim Dillard, is the most guilty of this of anybody uh, that I'm I, I can't do a Harry Carey impression. No, no, no. Nobody does Harry Carey impersonations. No one does Harry Carey impersonations. Everybody does impersonations of Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell. Ferrell. Yep, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's my complaint <laughs> that's, is that's that true. nobody does a Harry Carey anymore. They're doing Will Ferrell doing Harry Carey. It's one of the great secrets of Will Ferrell is he doesn't actually do impersonations. He just does characters that are sort of like people and um but they're never close at all. But <laughs> and that's actually <laughs> true of a lot of impersonation things it, it, yeah the yeah. ones that really stand out are not good because you're doing like a spot-on imitation of them it's because you're doing you're catching their zeitgeist and they're yeah you're doing a caricature of yeah them, yeah frank so caricature. Caricature. is like the perfect that's, example that's why right? frank caliendo sucks actually yeah because frank caliendo does just pitch perfect voice impersonations of people and <laughs> once that novelty wears off it's really not that good anymore um, by the by the way, f fun fact: Frank Caliendo used to work at Mike Higgins Grand Slam in Wauwatosa, I guess in Brookfield, um, with um, Wisconsin uh, Supreme Court Justice Brian Hagedorn. So, yeah. <laughs> um, wow, yeah. Um, so yeah, but, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Will Ferrell's good at at getting getting to what really makes people funny. So, and Frank Caliendo is not because he's not that funny. <laughs> All right, Brian's last question. Finally, uh, does it feel like the bullpen has found its groove replacing J.P. Fireisen and Drew Rasmussen with Sanchez, Cousins, and Strickland? So I think that's kind of an underrated part of this winning streak here is that middle relief is really shorn up, right, Paul? Yeah, they're doing fine. They're a very typical Brewer middle relief Throw, uh, this is the spaghetti. This is the better spaghetti, um, by the way. <laughs> it's the, actually mildly sticking, right? It yeah. is. The free agent trash spaghetti has not been working that well lately, but the, they know what they're doing here. And, and it is just identify um, either guys who throw super duper hard or have one elite pitch that they can pair with another not quite as good pitch. That makes for a good middle reliever, kind of no matter what. And um, they're just great at finding these guys. And they seem fine. Um, I pretty much always have faith when they do deal from the middle of the bullpen that they'll be able to just fill it in with guys. And it hasn't really failed me yet since in, at least in the council Stearns era. So um, the, I, I'm pretty trustworthy that even if a couple of them aren't, are maybe not great council, it will be good enough managing platoons and situations for them that they'll still be able to get through middle innings just fine. Especially when you pair them with not pair them, tr tr whatever pair times three is with Peralta Burns and Woodruff going a little deeper than they normally would. They don't have to lean on the middle as often as they do. So it's a, it's a good situation for them. And, and um, they, they have a lot of potential here. Like you, you can start being comfortable and looking ahead to the future as, as future roles for some of these guys too. Yeah. I think that I would caution on some of this. So I do think Miguel Sanchez and Jake cousins have some upside to potentially be good relievers in a good bullpen somewhere down the road but i don't know if they're that yet we have good early returns on them you do have to like uh right now miguel sanchez is a seven to one strikeout to walk ratio and cousins is 11 to three those are good numbers you can be Pretty happy <laughs> you can be happy about those hunter strickland uh no 
Uh, <laughs> he has a seven to five strikeout to walk ratio and eight yeah. and a third. Uh, don't really believe in that. Boxburger is an interesting one. They seem to have figured out, you know, how to make him a useful setup man. I still don't think I want Brad Boxberger coming in <laughs> in the seventh inning of a close playoff game. Yeah. I I think that that's an area they need to upgrade and you want to get somebody better. Now, maybe, maybe that is Miguel Sanchez or Jake Cousins by the yep, end of the year. Cousins, maybe yeah. one of those guys has emerged into that and you'd feel good about it. It could be Aaron Ashby, too. It could be Ethan Small, for all we know. It also could be Justin Topa, who should be coming back, hopefully, sometime. Before we rip on him too much, um, Strickland actually pitched great tonight. And I think got out of either a bases-loaded jam or a, a um, two-on, no-out jam with a strikeout and a double, a double play. So Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. it's just, like, I I don't think he's necessarily a guy... You use it while it's there. And it was, by the way, it was a it was a bases loaded no out jam that he got out of. So just <laughs> who got him into the bases loaded no out jam? I don't know, but he came in and inherited three runners, and none of them scored. So let me see who was in before him. Uh, Milner, I think, was in before him. Okay, oh, Hobie. Now that'll that'll hurt Hobie's overall numbers. Yeah. So Hobie yeah. gave up uh, two hits in a in a walk. Yeah. Oh, he finally. Uh, well, second walk, I guess. So yeah. he hasn't walked many guys, but he's also giving up a ton of hits. So I do think, don't you guys think they need to add? Yeah. And especially with um, Devin Williams still not looking super yeah, shut down, great. you know, like I kind of feel like they, they do need that extra reliever there to kind of calm the nerves a little bit in the playoffs because you're right. Like going Boxberger Williams to get to Hater is, is <laughs> iffy. <laughs> Like, it's fine. Well, and they could probably use Suter somewhat in there as well. Yeah. Like, yeah. Suter will be there as well. This probably is not fair to Suter, but I actually don't want to see him in a playoff game against the Dodgers or the Padres. Um, I, I think his his voodoo works well against average to trash. And I think we saw what happens last year when he has to go against elite hitter after elite hitter. And it's too good you know, contact hitting-wise, it, right? Yeah, like, they, they just wear him out. Um, so I don't like that either. Yeah. So I, I do think, you know, as we get closer to the trade deadline, I think that's probably an area where they would maybe look to upgrade. I don't know. Is there is there a White Sox reliever that they're willing to trade right now? Because I feel like that was the, the move for three years straight. Yeah. Xavier Cordero. And before that, it was uh, there was Swarzak. Swarzak. There was Soria came from the White Sox that year. Yeah. Oh, did it was Soria that year? Okay, Soria was a White Sox that year. Yep. Okay. So, yeah, it, there's there's that pipeline there. I don't know. Maybe not this year. Yeah, the White hey, Sox don't seem to be likely twins, to maybe. sell relievers that could potentially be useful. Seems like they would want those guys themselves. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, so, yeah. Before we get off this topic, I know Strickland is probably the worst one of them but I would like him to make it just for Strickland propane memes. Um, (laughs) That's all I ask on that. Yeah. I'm Uh, I'm not going to celebrate Hunter Strickland. I'm waiting for the the unpleasantness that is sure to come. (laughs) That will also happen. Yep. Strickland and Strickland accessories. All right. Uh, So Jesse Gennigan has our next Patreon question. He's asking, what features would you like to see on the future Willie Adamas statue? <laughs> Personally, I would like to see the eyes glow red. So, I mean, he, he's been awesome still. You know, I, I'm still kind of waiting for this. But, you know, Paul, you and I, we've joked about the, the Tropicana effect and you can see now. But, like, the numbers are just kind of in stark contrast here. Like, how awesome has he been? Uh, I mean... As we talked about this every episode. I tweeted um, <laughs> that he, by the end of the season, I expect him to be worth something like four to five war, but you'll never convince me it should be less than 20. Um, <laughs> and that's only partially in jest because I think his on the field contributions will probably be something like five war if he keeps this up. Um, you know, awesome defense, awesome offense, maybe more than that. But um, I, I suspect he's had some, some knock on effects on team chemistry that are just unquantifiable but quite large because their offense yeah. just kicked in. I mean, we, we can say that they played bad teams and they did play bad teams, but 
earlier in the season, they had trouble scoring against bad teams. They 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 beat them often, but usually it was closer to like four to three, not ten to two. You know, um, so I, I think Adamus has had a big effect on the clubhouse. I don't really think you can overstate it. And I would like on the statue like a some kind of hovering bat um, mid bat flip, just kind of <laughs> on, like four feet from the statue. I don't know how you yeah. achieve that scientifically. Maybe magnets or something. I don't, but um, that's that's what I want as part of it is, is a bat flip there with the glowing red eyes i'm on board yeah i doesn't he often have one pocket hanging out or am i yeah i i feel like there is he's also got the you know the the eye paint is really uh oh the eye paint right yeah like i I would feel like the statue needs some sort of like great john randall-esque eye paint so we had some like peter <laughs> chris eye paint last couple of games ago it was like totally kiss cat eye, eye stuff it was awesome <laughs> yeah so that, that that'd be great uh I, i'm with the bat flip i think you know maybe we could make the statue commemorating the grand slam of the uh against the cubs that'd be that'd be great uh yeah so all great suggestions for the willie adama statue which will inevitably go up once he does put up 20 war this season, as Paul said. So there you go. Uh, We got another question from Jay Google here. He's asking just how good are the brewers at base running? Seems like they've increased their uh, expected bases from last year. So Ryan, you know, like we've talked about Christian Yelich, great base runner when he's on base, but I feel like maybe, you know, the addition of Adamus kind of helps with this too, but how, how good are they at taking that extra base and how is that factored into kind of this offensive resurgence here? So according to Fangraph's base running metric, they are the fifth best team in major league baseball with 4.9 runs added on the base paths, which is wow. pretty, pretty good though. Colorado is number one at 14.9. I'm assuming a lot of that's Rymel Tapia. I yeah. can't imagine who else. Really. Also, the cor- course field effect too, right? Those those extra long gaps, maybe you can steal. Mm, yeah, maybe that here, does right? help them. Maybe that this doesn't exactly take into account uh, the help that no that idea. provides. Maybe it is park park adjusted. I don't. Well, because looking but... at it, of the top teams here, you have Colorado's one at fourteen point nine. The Chicago White Sox have uh, nine point one. That's a young, fast, exciting like base running sort of team aggressive team yeah but the royals are in a very big outfield and they're third so there you go the royals and then the padres also a very big outfield they're fourth though they're also you know a young aggressive exciting base running sort of team so yeah it's it's kind of interesting they're a very good base running team and like you said yelich is just one of the cleanest runners one of the things if you are lucky enough to be close enough to see them in person Watch sometime if you if you're fortunate enough to see a game where Christian Yelich is scoring from second on a single. Mm-hmm. It is one of the prettiest things you'll ever see. He cuts that turn. First to third too is great. Yeah, yeah, his first to third is great, but that that when he cuts that turn at third base to come home, there is not a wasted millimeter worth of nope. of 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 uh, out of path running there. He just cuts it exquisitely every single time so yeah that's a big part of it but a big part of it too is if you look up and down the lineup they don't really have negative runners on this team Mm -hmm. at this point with who they have out there you know with Travis Shaw being out with Vogelbach being out it's true the guys that are on the field on a daily basis at this point are good runners by and large so even Omar Narvaez can kind of run a little bit for a catcher. Like he's not slow for a catcher. And that's, <laughs> you know, cause most catchers yeah. are very slow. Cause you would be too, if you were catching a hundred games a year. <laughs> right. Right. And, and it's important to t- say too, I mean, that ranking is with Lorenzo Cain missing most of the year. Colton Long being in and out, you know, like that they're missing some decent base runners too. Yep. So, mm-hmm. and, so I just grabbed uh, Prospectus's same stat on base running runs. And um, Jace Peterson and Tyron Taylor are actually second and third on the team, just barely behind Yelich in terms of uh, base running runs added. So um, they're getting more playing time than normal, and they're contributing a good amount of value just whenever they get on as well. Well, and I think that's a good point to mention, too, that defensively in the outfield right now, 
everybody they're putting out there of their four primary outfielders that they're using right now, and this will be true when Kane comes back as well, everybody's an above average to plus outfielder defensively. And this is a big, big deal because of the way the outfield is actually kind of the more uh, important area of defense than I think people realize that outfield defense is a huge thing. And this was something discovered by Billy Bean and the A's in, was it the 2006 team was built really around having three center fielders to uh, patrol the huge outfield in Oakland. Yeah. Being good on the bases and run prevention, just kind of keys of the Brewer success so far. Uh, We also do have a Twitter question this week. Reminder, even if you're not a patron, you can submit a question on Twitter. We put that call out on uh, our Twitter account. That's at MKE tailgate. Uh, So you can just reply to that tweet too and and send it a question. And our question on Twitter this week actually comes from good friend, Kurt Hogg, Journal Sentinel. Uh, He's He's been on this pod a few times. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so Kurt continuing kind of the all-star cast that we had last week too on Twitter. Uh, But Kurt's question here, (laughs) who is this year's Jordan Lyles, AKA a bad pitcher who the Brewers trade for, to everyone's chagrin, who ends up being good. So this is interesting, but I do feel like the David Stearns and in company always kind of find that guy, right? Like we've talked about, they they know their type, they know what they can find. So I guess Paul, do you have any good ideas on who this year's Jordan Lyles might be? Well, it has to be a bad pitcher. So I pulled up like the the, the tier of where that exists, and Jordan Lyles is right in the middle of it. I was so, gonna say Jordan like, Lyles might be this year's Jordan Lyles again, right? How do we feel about like Dallas Keuchel? He's right. He's right in the same area. Um, I, I could maybe see that. It, it, hard, hard to predict. Um, some of these guys I think are too bad at this point in time and can't be turned around. Um, yeah, the Cubs won't trade in division, so none of their guys, unfortunately. Um, Zach Davies, yeah. <laughs> wouldn't that be? Wouldn't that be fun? Um, maybe Aaron Nola, maybe I kind of hate him. Uh, I don't know. Ryan probably has a better answer than me. Uh, all these guys I look at, like these all suck, but I'm sure that somebody's That's got the something. point. Yeah. I know <laughs> it's gonna be somebody that is a reliever, first of all. So, in the Drew Pomerantz mold as opposed to the Jordan uh, Miles mold, sure. So, it's gonna be that, and it's gonna be somebody that. Ooh, let me see. Third year arbitration eligible. Okay, I've got a guy. Rysel <laughs> Iglesias from the Angels. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Okay. Good call. Former closer. Mm-hmm. Has and been good in those situations before. Yep. He he is getting saves this year. So he is a save guy. So maybe but he also has a three point five two ERA in the year of the pitcher. So it's like is a little bit disappointing, but if you look at the underlying numbers, he has 58 strikeouts in 38 innings and a whip of 0.887. Well, bam. So that would be Not a thing where people would yeah. be like, do we really need somebody like this? And, and does this really help? And he would come in and probably really yeah. give you that late inning weapon you're looking for. Obviously not to close, but... Yeah. I'd feel a lot better about him in the eighth inning than Devin Williams right now. So. Yep. There you go. And yeah, then Devin Williams one. can move to the seventh and everything is beautiful. Everything is beautiful. Yes. Uh, yeah. If you're going true uh, Drew Pomeranz mode here, you you got to look at some of those five ERA starters, Paul, and, and find one <laughs> that could maybe be. I got them up. None of them. None of them are, are going to work. Like, OK, yeah, it, it's it's Mike Fultonowitz and Mike Minor and um, Eduardo, Eduardo Rodriguez. No, uh-huh. Not, not could be like a, a loogie or something. Not yeah. a loogie. That doesn't exist anymore. But a lefty reliever. You could do that. Man, I'm, I'm just glad Mike Miner had that uh, drop pop out so he could get his 200 strikeout bonus the other year because yeah, things have, things have uh, shifted dramatically for him. All right. Well, thanks to everybody who sent in questions this week. A reminder that you can get question priority when you become a patron. That's at patreon.com slash tailgate. You also get a shout out when you become a patron here. I don't know if we have anyone new this week. I don't think we had one new last week. So, all right. Thanks to everybody who asked questions this week. A reminder, you can still sign up to 
become a patron, get that question priority. That's at patreon.com slash MKE tailgate. Two bucks a month gets you that question priority. Five bucks gets you that minor league extra podcast, which you'll want to listen to this week as we preview the draft. Uh, also, please do uh, go and hit subscribe on the podcast, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Pocket Cast, anywhere else uh, that you listen to podcasts, please hit that subscribe button. And while you're there, please leave us a review to help other people find us. A uh, five-star review. And if you leave it on Apple Podcasts and it's positive and five stars, I will read it. And none yes. of you did last week, although I appreciate Colin PC2, uh, who is just Colin from his phone and his PC. So um, <laughs> nice That's work. Five-star reviews. Well done. Yes. yes. Uh, did you see the one-star review from the White Sox fan who got mad I, that we called Tony La Russa an alcoholic? I, I did, yes. But we're, yeah. again, we're not, not reading, we're not not reading the one-star reviews. No. Yes. That, that was... Uh, yeah, while well, we're talking about the White Sox and Tony LaRusso. There you go. But yes, please do leave us a kind review. We'll read it here on the podcast, uh, even if it is just to make Paul read it on the air, like Colin said. So thank you very much, Colin, for your five-star review. In the meantime, we'll be back next week. The whole gang will be back together. Hopefully the Brewers uh, keep winning, close the first half out on a strong note. Uh, we will see you next week here on Milwaukee's Tailgate. Have a good week, everybody.